kids in the spirit of worship and listening to God's word. We want to welcome all of those by way of television or radio. We consider it a real privilege coming into your homes, whether it be by television or radio. And we thank you for your prayers and your presence and your support. And we thank you for the prisons that you minister to, the hospitals, we, and those who are shut in since we you hear our, our broadcast and we give all the glory and all the praise to God. Our opening hymn is in honor and glory and birthday of Lane Ashley our grandson, who was named after the departure of my father, Dale, and our youngest, Lane, the combined name of Lane Ashley to God be the glory, purple hymnals. Seated a while and like to stand, you may stand with the 
say it's a god. Environmentalism has become a religion. People enthusiastically worship Mother Earth and, and scoff at God the Father. There's been a 50-year process that officially began in the early 70s with Earth Day. The left decided that anyone who disrespected the Earth was suspect. So far, and as far as so they will go, many voices are warning of climate lockdowns coming in 2023. Climate change lockdowns are here. And if people don't respond very strongly to this, it, it's likely that we will soon see similar measures implemented all over the Western world. The elite have always promised to do whatever it takes to fight climate change. And now we're finding out that they weren't kidding. We pray, Father, for the care of our country, our land this weekend as we seek reconciliation and racial divisions. We thank you for Martin Luther King Day and for the peace that he tried to restore from, from pulpit to all means of communication, Lord. We honor his name and we honor his message. And Father, we just pray a special blessing upon our scripture today. Luke chapter 2, verses 36 and 40, that reminds us of, of this woman, Anna. Now, Anna is only mentioned once in the Bible, but she brings such a blessing to us. Many have named their children after Anna, even my wife, Christine Anna Tabor. We pray, Father, for Tina today, Lord, as she's fighting the sickness and the fatigue of season. Thank you for Mike and restoring him to health. And we pray, Father, that you grant him a sense of equilibrium and, and touch his body in a special way that he'll mind and thank you for Mike being with us today. Thank you for our Sunday school class. Ira, Julie, and those who participated in a real moving Sunday school class. We pray that you continue to Bless our 8.30 hour study and worship. We thank you, Lord, as we've entered into this time of worship that we want to honor the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We want to understand our own lives and understand the times that we live in as you taught us to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And as I mentioned earlier, our scripture lesson is taken from Luke's Gospel, the second chapter of Luke, Dr. Luke's. Chapter 2, verses 36 to 40, which gives us a little glimpse into the movement of God's Holy Spirit in the life of that early family, Joseph and Mary. And now we come to a prophetic passage of Scripture reminds us, Luke chapter 2, verses 36 and following, there is also a prophet. Yes, this was a female prophet. A prophet Anna, the daughter of Daniel, of the tribe of Asher. 
death there. Then, as a widow to the age of 84, she never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer. Um, I just think of Marie Wakeland, I think of Anna in the Bible here. You're nearing that age too, aren't you, Marie? Worshipped there with fasting and prayer, night and day, and those saints of old, like Janet Peterson, the Gordons. At that moment, she came, and she began to praise God. She was worshiping, praising God. And she began to speak about the child, Jesus. She spoke about Jesus to all who were looking for the redemption, the redemption of Jerusalem. And you and I are constantly looking for the total redemption in the second advent of Christ. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Anna had been a widow for 62 years. But back then, most women who became widows at the age of 22 would search for a new husband. Anna did something different. Instead, she chose to spend her time serving God at the temple. What it means when it says she didn't depart from the temple, it means that either, either she was there for open, from open to close, or because she was a prophetess, she had her officer. That would be just like, hold up. Prophetess who lived with Josiah, the king of Judah. She was given a temple space in 2 Chronicles chapter 34, verse 22. It's interesting that two other women were called prophetess in the Old Testament, and they were Miriam in Exodus 15:20 and Deborah in Judges 4:4. We can find in the book of Leviticus 12, 1 through 4, that Jesus may have been about 40 days old. When you were brought to the temple, when you were brought to the temple. Anna was totally devoted to God, and she worshiped, fasted, and prayed, prayed both night and day. The Bible does tell us to pray without ceasing, and Anna lived that. We should make time to always be praying to our Father God for everything we've seen here, at least in the back of our minds. In that way, we can stay in continuous prayer, like the Bible tells us to do. We should be discerning machines. Only in that way we'll be able to pray without ceasing. Everything we contact or hear, just think, is this according to God's word? If it's not, dismiss it. Two people that noticed the arrival of the Savior with the birth of Jesus were Simeon and Anna. The phrase here read as coming up that very hour suggests Anna was characteristically at the temple. Just as Jesus and his garment of Samuel were guided there by the Holy Spirit. When Samuel finished speaking, so when it, when it says that Anna came up at that very hour, it's referring to when Samuel finished speaking. For Anna, it was evangelism time. And then, and then it says Anna spoke to everyone at the temple about the arrival of the one they waited for as the redemption of Israel or redemption of Jerusalem. The Lord's term for dedication at that temple also marked the first time he never been named or recognized as the Messiah in the scripture. As Joseph and Mary were following the law by having Jesus circumcised on the eighth day, it also said that other children showed the corruption of their nature. Nothing but the grace of God was upon Jesus. His purification was at the temple, and that is why they were there at the temple. Although Jesus was spiritually one with God, he was God. Upon his dedication and fulfillment of the law of 
characteristically became dedicated to who also was also one with God, not just spirit. Thank you. I always appreciate that hysterical <laughs> historical rendering of scripture. This is kind of a background of what we're going to deal with. And it wasn't uncommon for biblical times as it is today that people would name their children after certain biblical characters. If you travel in Israel of the Orient, you find a lot of Jesus. Jesus and I I've had individuals in the pulpit that were named Jesus and it just it's always kind of a little awkward, you know. You know, introducing now I'd like to introduce you to Jesus. You know, but that's something that we're all we're all introduced men and women, boys and girls to Jesus. And these verses that we have now read introduce us to a servant of God. We're all called to be servants. Servants of God. Say it me. Servants of God. Whose names and Amos nowhere else to be mentioned in the New Testament. In the history of Anna, like that of Simeon, which we talked about last week, is related only in the Gospel of Luke, St. Luke. In the wisdom, the wisdom of God ordained that a woman, Anna, as well as a man, Simeon, should testify to the fact that the Messiah was born. The Messiah was born. Now in the mouth of two witnesses, Scripture says it was established that Malachi's prophecy was to be fulfilled, and the messenger of the covenant had suddenly come into the temple, Jesus, according to Malachi chapter 3, 1, the prophecy that Jesus fulfilled. Well, let us observe in these, these verses the character of this holy woman, characters of this holy woman before the establishment of, of Christ's gospel. The facts recorded about Anna are, are very few and, and, and they're simple, but we shall find them full of instruction for our godly application, whether female or male. Anna was a woman of irreproachable character. I've always encouraged our youth, and the youth that I've served with, I've always served in older United Methodist churches. Sometimes it's grandchildren that are encouraged by their grandparents to come to confirmation class. That if they haven't thought about dating, they probably will be thinking about dating, and they should always write a certain criteria out and keep it in their Bible and pray about this criteria of who they want to date. Who would they possibly want to meet with marriage? Because before you know it, it seems like our teenage years are behind us and we're looking at adulthood. And I often challenge them to look and make a little criteria about dating and what that criteria would be as a male looking for a female or, or female looking for a male companion. Anna, Anna was a woman of irreproachable character. As Mike mentioned, he kind of broke down the chronology because it's kind of in King James. It's a little confusing when we read about how many years she was of the virgin state and how many years she was of the married state and how many years she was in the temple, but she was probably teen or preteen when she got married. 
and it emphasizes the state of virginity, which is always very important in the Bible. And after a married life of only seven years, seven years duration, she had spent 84 years as a lone, lone widow. The trials, the trials, the desolation and, and temptations in such a condition were probably very great. Very few times in my ministry that I've known of couples that got married and one stands out, a very close friend of mine dated and we were cyclists together and he dated and on his, while they were opening the presents at his wedding, his wife had a massive stroke and died. But Anna by grace overcame all these years of widowhood. She answered to the description given by St. Paul. St. Paul says she was a widow indeed, a widow indeed, according to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5. Anna, I believe, first and foremost, was a woman who loved God's house. When in dating or when in looking at prospective mates, the Bible talks about the importance of being equally yoked. Very few times have I seen, whether it's a male or a female, it's a Christian, they normally are drawn down rather than built up by dating a non-Christian. But Anna was a woman who loved God's house. Do you love God's house? Do you put God's house as a high priority in your life? It said in Scripture that she departed not from the temple. She regarded worship and place of worship where God especially dwelt. That God dwelt often. I remind people if you go through a recent grief, you should draw closer to the church, the body of believers, worship the hymns that they're healing. Some who have heeded my advice have been truly blessed and others who have relegated other things to importance rather than worship have deteriorated their relationships in life, often to the loss of their marriage income. But Anna regarded it as a place where God especially dwelt and toward which every pious Jew and Christian and foreign lands like, like Daniel loved to direct his prayers to. And the congregation gathering of prayer warriors one with another. Near to God, near to God was the desire of Anna's heart. And, and Anna felt that she was near and so near as within the very walls which contained the ark, the altar, and the holy of holies, reminders of the presence of God, she could enter into, as David's words put it in Psalms 84 to, my soul, my soul longeth, yea, even fainteth, fainteth for the courts of the Lord. Secondly, Anna, Anna was a woman of great self-denial. Are we of great self-denial? I remember earlier in my ministry when people would tell me about the possibility of their missing a particular Sunday because of visitors or guests, and I would say, well, why don't you, don't you think enough of your visitors and your guests to bring to church? Anna was a woman of great self-denial. It said that she served God with fastings, with fastings night and day. Anna was continually crucifying the flesh, bringing the flesh under subjection and keeping it in subjection by volunteering abstention from 
world. Being fully persuaded, and I feel that many of the Christian world is not fully persuaded, but Anna being fully persuaded in her own mind that the practice was helpful to her soul, she spared no pains to keep it up. Anna was a woman of much prayer. You and I, from pulpit to pew, people of prayer. Doesn't it make you feel good when somebody says they're praying for you? And then they go the second step and they just stop and they start praying for you right on the spot, whatever place it may be. It said that she served God with prayer night and day. She was a 24-7 prayer warrior. She was continually communing, communicating and communing with God as her best friend about the things that concerned her own peace. And she knew that to bring peace of mind to others would bring peace of mind to herself. She was never wary of pleading with God on behalf of others. I guess with some snow that just decided to leave the top roof of our church. Anna was never wary of pleading with God on behalf of others. And above all, for the fulfillment, the very fulfillment of the prophecies and the fulfillment of the promises of the Messiah in the scriptures. Thirdly, Anna was a, a woman who held communion with other saints, communion with other saints as we gathered, as we congregate one with another, we congregate in support of our fellowship one with another. So soon as she had seen Jesus, she spoke of Jesus. I could see her immediately going out and telling her friends and her enemies and all associates, Jesus, to others whom she knew in Jerusalem and with whom she was evidently on terms with, there was a bond of union and importance between Anna and all who enjoyed that same hope. Do you share in that hope? They were servants of the same master and, and they were travelers to the, to the same home. As you recognize your travels, as you carry this side of earth. Anna received a rich reward for all her diligence in God's service before she left the world. And God will bless you and your diligence. Anna was allowed to see Jesus who had been so long promised. They wondered who was to be the promised child and whose coming she had so often prayed for. Anna's faith was at last changed from faith to sight and her hope to, to, to an uncertainty. The joy of this holy woman must indeed have been joy unspeakable and full of glory according to 1 Peter chapter 1 8. It would be well for all Christian women and men to, to ponder the character, the very character of Anna and then learn from this wisdom from it. The times the times, no doubt, are, are greatly changed. The chaos we live in is certainly there. The social duties of the Christians are very different from those of the Jewish believer at Jerusalem. All are not placed by God in, in the conditions of widows. But I've noticed in many churches, if it wasn't for the widows to support our church by their thoughts and their prayers and their presence, but still, after every deduction, there remains much in Anna's history which is 
worthy of imitation. The imitation from pulpit to pew. When we read of her consistency, we read of her holiness, we read of her prayerfulness, we read of her self-denial, we cannot but wish that many of the daughters of the Christian church would strive to be like her. Raise our sons and our daughters to serve like Anna by the imitation of our lives. And let us observe, secondly, in these verses, a description given of saints, of the saints in Jerusalem in the time when Jesus was born. There were people who were looking. The scripture says they were looking for redemption. Looking for redemption. Faith we shall always find is the universal character of God's saints. Faith we shall always find is that universal characteristic of God's elect. These men and women here described, dwelling in the, the midst of a wicked city, walk by faith, not by sight. They were not carried away by the, the flood of worldliness, the flood of formality, and the floods of self-righteousness about them. They were not infected by the carnal expectations of a mere worldly false messiah in which most Jews indulge and look for. They lived in the faith of the patriarchs, the patriarchs of, and the prophets of old, that the coming, the coming of the Redeemer would bring in holiness, would bring in righteousness, and that his principal victory would be over sin, the victory over sin and, and the devil. And for such a Redeemer, they, they waited, they waited patiently. And for such a victory, they earnestly longed. Do you and I long for this second advent of Christ? Let us learn a lesson from these good people. If they, they were so few, and if they with so few helps and so, so many dis, dis, discouragements lived such a life of faith, how much more ought we to live with the finished, with a, with a finished Bible and a, and, a, and a full gospel? Let us try it like them to walk by faith and, and to look forward. The second advent of Christ is yet to be and yet to come. The second advent of Christ, yes, true, we look at it. Maybe today and maybe tomorrow. We don't know many maybes, but let us declare plainly by our lives and by our conduct that for this second advent we look for, we, we long for, we, we may be sure that the highest style of Christianity even now is to wait for redemption. The last few words of our scriptures, wait for redemption. And to love the Lord's appearing according to Romans chapter 8, verse 23, and 2 Timothy chapter 4, 8. And let us learn, learn lastly in these verses that the clear proof that we we have that the Lord Jesus was really and, and really and truly a man as, as well as God. We read that when Mary and Joseph returned to their own city of Nazareth, the child Jesus, the child Jesus grew and, and waxed strong in spirit. Are you growing and waxing strong in spirit and truth? There is doubtless much that is deeply mysterious in the person of Jesus Christ. How the same person could be at once perfect God and, and perfect man is a point that necessarily passes our understanding. In what manner 
and in what measure and in what proportion at the early part of his life that divine knowledge which he doubtless possessed was exercised, we cannot possibly explain. In his diaper changing, in his nursing time, in his steady and slow growth, in physical stamina, it's a, it's a high thing we cannot attain unto it. But one thing, however, is perfectly clear that we shall do well. You and I shall do well to lay firm hold upon it. Father, this morning our Lord partook of everything that belongs to our nature. Sin only accepted. As man was born an infant, as we were grew from infancy to boyhood, so did Jesus as as Jesus and as we as humans merely increase in bodily strength and mental power during our passage from boil, boil, girlhood to full age. Of all the sinless conditions of, of our body, its first feebleness, its after growth, its regular progress to maturity, Jesus was in the fullest sense a partaker. We, we must rest satisfied with knowing this, to pry beyond its uses, to know this clearly is of much importance. A want of settled knowledge of it has led to many wild heresies. One comfortable practical lesson stands out in the face of this truth, which ought never to be overlooked. Our Lord Jesus Christ is able to sympathize with us in every stage of our existence, from the cradle to the grave. Jesus knows by experience the nature and the temperament of the child, the boy, the young man. He has stood in our place. He has occupied our position, our position. He knows our hearts. Let us never forget this in dealing with young people about their souls. Let us never tell them confidently that there is one in heaven at the right hand of God who is exactly suited to be their friend. That Jesus died on the cross, was once a boy himself, and feels a special interest in boys and girls as well as grown-up people. Whether he had bowed in those by way of television and radio or Facebook and other means, as you dedicate and rededicate your life to growing in the grace and the understanding of God. May you repeat these words. Dear Jesus, I thank you for your love. Your love for me. That sent you to the cross. That bathed me in the blood of Christ. That I find forgiveness of my sins. That body that was broken. Blood that was shed. Empower me by your grace and your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Grace of God. As the ushers come forward this morning for our offertory prayer, would you join me in prayer printed in our bulletin, please? Good and generous God, we bring our gifts to you this day. And pray you might dedicate them to your word. We confess that we have too often missed being the church you wanted and needed. And we have placed the blame on not having enough money, members, talent, time, or power. We needed to be reminded by the Apostle Paul that we have all that we need, whatever our circumstances. Renew us, loving God. 
and give us a new day and another chance. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This time let us turn to our offertory hymns, the offerings have taken. I'd love to tell us her story, Purple Hymnals number 156. The honor and glory of the anniversary of Mike and Donald Wood, verses 1, 3, and 4. One, three, four.
presented our tithes and our offerings in worship and, and as we witness Christ's presence in our midst and we remember that in the presence of Anna may we go with that excitement that Anna shared who commissioned us to go to teach, to preach, to heal and even to take up our crosses in Christ's name we pray This Friday is uh, Isaiah Legion State Friday that helps with the Isaiah Legion and Thursday, if you're interested, on January 19th at 7 at Revive Church in Boca Park, they're hosting another prophecy conference with Brandon, Pastor Brandon Holthouse. He's excellent. You can really come away blessed coming to us. Let us close now with singing Spirit of the Living God, number 393 in our purple.
old cherry cousin or youngest child that he gets entire yarn and dogs and furs and know that God is working in our fur lives as we pray for those and, and let it turn to our opening hymn of praise this morning as we gather as a congregation to worship the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, all creatures of our God and King, read in those number 59, verses 1 and 3, and my praise.
privilege to dedicate our next hymn to the honor and glory of God at the anniversary of Darwin. Marilyn Borden, and it's 60, how many years now? Ooh, 62. 62. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, all consecutive years. Yeah, red hymnals under 59. Or purple, right? Purple, right? Number 143. Thy word, thy word. Jesus. 
Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52 can remind us of the importance of fellowship as we learned in our Sunday school class today. We need to get together and, and worship and share the needs of one another as we uplift Melissa, Chris Larson's daughter, and we thank you, Father, for having your hand upon her and her specialist caregivers at Rochester. Pray for Janet Peterson and Mabel Grove. Pray for our daughter, Hope Perry and we. Also pray for those by way of television who can reach out at this time as we gather as a fellowship. Pray for Tina too and Mike as Mike's taking care of Tina at home and the challenges they face. Pray that they may discover their, their keys and there's the trauma of having to share a vehicle coming going in life. We thank you for those who are celebrating birthdays and anniversaries, especially surrounding Darwin and Maryland as they enter into another year blessed marriage. We pray that you continue to grant them health and blessings and your children. We thank you, Father, that we can come in the midst of a very chaotic world, a world that seems to be concerned more with the climate is king than Jesus is king. Maybe we should say it's a God, environmentalism has become a religion. People enthusiastically worship Mother Earth and stop at God the Father. There's been a 50-year process of officials began in the early 70s, Earth Day, and they left the site that anyone who's disrespectful, you're a suspect. We are called to be caregivers too of one another's property. But so far, how will we go? Many voices are warning of climate lockdowns coming in 2023. The climate change lockdowns are here, and if people don't respond very strongly to this, it is likely that we will soon see similar measures implemented all over the Western world. The elite have always promised to do whatever it takes to fight. Now we are finding out that they weren't getting. We pray, Father, your blessings now upon the remaining of our service as we reach out to you and ask your blessing upon our scripture. Scripture taken from chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. Pray for other families that experience the grief and loss and a need of your healing hand. We pray all this in thy name as you taught us to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now take a moment as we look at Scripture, Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52.
He is also known as the Lamb without blemish because during Pesach you need to have a Lamb that is without blemish, and the Lamb that's without blemish is Yeshua because there is no perfect Lamb other than Him. Also mentioned, Randy mentioned about some knowledge in Christians. Kathy and I were at a conference on Thursday where they were talking about the upcoming things concerning the times. In Scripture, we are told that in Daniel chapter 7 and in Daniel, the last chapter, talks about knowledge increases. Look around you. Look how much knowledge has increased even from the past five months. Look at what happened from the past five years. Look around you. Even what we're, even what this church is doing right now. I mean, think about it. Who would have thought that a church, a small church in Robinsville, is not only in the city of Robinsville, but we are global. We're hitting countries, which, trust me, it blows me away because Scripture says in the last days, this gospel will be preached throughout the world. And every Sunday, we're doing it right now. I mean, we have, I mean, we're reaching people. We are the kingdom. I mean, look, I mean, look at it. I mean, look at how much around you. And I'll tell you, what's going to come next is that ESG schools, known as environmental, which is nothing but control. This COVID was phase one adjusted whistle to see how many people will bow down to me. Sadly, a lot of people failed that test. Very few passed that test of resisting. And I will tell you, the next thing is that there's a few things that will be happening during that time. They're going to do more harshly on Christians. So we might be more on the ground in the future. And you know what? I'm ready for that. Come get me. What are you going to do with me? I'm ready. Because you can't stop the word of God. And second of all, another thing that's going on too is known as artificial intelligence. And look at what we're doing. We're manipulating, we're manipulating people's DNA. And it's been going on since 2021, known as the vaccines. I mean, look around you. It's really sad that now all this stuff is coming out and health problems, when people that were worried about it were called conspiracy theories and crazy crackpot people and know nothing of what they're talking about, it's here. Next thing they're going to start doing is they're going to implement, they're going to start doing more implementing where people, humans are not going to be full humans. Their souls are going to be gone, and it's going to be through artificial intelligence. And that was talked upon on Thursday's night's conference. And I'm telling you this, not to scare you, church, but to warn you, because we got to be ready. Because Christ is coming sooner than what people think he is. And we need to be ready for the glory of Christ. Thank you. Thank you, Robin. I'm going to step forward because I just heard a few moments ago that Mike was in the unable be here. So uh, we just want to thank you for that update. And many of us are part of a, a group, either present or live streaming at uh, very important conferences, kind of forward conference. Many people live in a backward, backward way. But as Christians, we're called to live in a forward way. We're aware of the times that we're living in. We can't deny reality, folks. We can't
can't deny reality. God says in the last days he's going to raise up a peculiar people, and it's not that we're weird or different. It's just that, that we're dealing with a sense of weirdness and strangeness and, and reality, and it's going to be looking um, as not normal. But just a few years ago, the things that are occurring nowadays are observed and affecting our soul. A normal, that, you know, we, it's hard for us human beings to walk this earth for maybe 100 years, nearly 100 years or something, to realize that we're living in these last days. We need to go out increase in wisdom like Jesus did. These verses that we examined and read should always be deeply interesting to any and all readers of the Bible. They record the only fact that which we know about our Lord Jesus Christ during his first 30 years, his first 30 years of life on earth after his infancy. Many books of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they go out with the infancy of Jesus. Just the first few days of Jesus. And then his last few weeks upon earth, his crucifixion, and, and some of the intermittent things that consider his parables or life teachings. But how, how many things, how many Christians would like to know about the events of those that led up to those first 12 or the second 18 years that we consider as silent years and the daily history of the house at Nazareth. I'm always excited when I sit down and talk with families as we make funeral arrangements or so. The things that I learned about their events in life, the first 12 and the later 18, Sometimes you concentrate more on adulthood. But we need not doubt that there is wisdom in, in the silence of those of scripture on the subject of Jesus. And if it had been good for us to know more and more, it would have been revealed. But let us first draw from the passage of the lesson for all married people. I speak to those by way of television and radio and Facebook and other means of communication, we, we have in marriage the conduct of Joseph and Mary. Here described. We are told that they went to Jerusalem every year, every year at the feast of the Passover. They regularly honored God's appointed ordinances and, and they honored them together. The importance of togetherness and unity. We talk about the importance of fellowship and especially being one accord, husbands and wives, believers together, raising their children. In the distance from Nazareth, which was the hometown of Joseph and Mary and Jesus, to Jerusalem, it was very great. In the journey to poor people, which they were poor people, Without any means of conveyance was, was doubtless very troublesome and very fatiguing. And to leave a house 
to leave house and home for 10 days, where our fortnight was no slight expense. Certainly an inconvenience and an expense, but God had given Israel a command, a command that God had given Israel and Joseph and Mary was strictly, strictly obeyed in the importance of worship in the congregation, the fellowship, one with another, in the Passover. And when, when they went up to this feast, the Passover, they always went up side by side. Side by side. So ought it be with all Christian husbands and wives, they ought to help one another in spiritual things, and they need to encourage one another. How we need to encourage one another is the times that we are living in are changing. The chaos seems to be so prevalent. Marriage, unquestionably, is, is not a sacrament. It's not a sacrament, as the Roman, Roman Church vainly asserts. But marriage is a state of life which has the greatest effect on the souls and the spirits of those who enter into it. It helps them upwards or helps them downwards. It leads them to near to heaven or it leads them near to hell. We all depend much on the company, the company we keep. Our characters are insensibly molded by those with whom we pass and occupy our times with. And to none does this apply so much as to to marry, married people. Husbands and wives are, are continually doing either good or, or harm to one another's souls. Let all who are married or think of being married ponder these things well. Let them take example from the conduct of, of Joseph and Mary and resolve to do likewise. Let them pray together. Let them pray together. Statistically, we find that those who pray together stay together, read the Bible together, and go to the house of God together, and talk to one another about spiritual, about spiritual matters. And above all, let them beware of throwing obstacles and discouragements in one another's way about the means of grace and denying them to go to church fellowship or Bible study praying together and blessed are those whose husbands who say to their wives as Elkanan did to Hannah Hannah in the Old Testament do all that is in thy heart to please the Lord and happy are those wives who say to their husbands as Leah and Rachel did to Jacob whatsoever God has said, do unto thee. For Samuel chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 31, 26. And let us secondly draw from this passage an example for, for all young persons. We have it in the conduct of our Lord Jesus Christ when he was left, left, by himself in Jerusalem at the age of 12 years. 12 years of age. 
for four days, four days Jesus was out of sight, out of sight of Mary and Joseph. I remember in my small town of Eagle Bend where there were three or four of my friends that were unaccountable for three or four days. They called in the FBI, CIA, looked looked for them. They could not discover them after the first day, and the second day, and the third day. And finally, they noticed the cooks. It was the cooks that I had worked with in the school. Finally, noticed that there were there were food and beverages that were missing in the high school cafeteria. It was assumed that someone was breaking into the school and getting food. Little did we know, to make a long story short, that these three or four friends of mine were going, escaping through the top door, the escape door on the roof of the school, and they were camping out there overnight and spending their days and nights on the roof. Families that were very distressed, but very lovingly granted that their children were still alive after three or four days. Not in vain and unprofitable company that we need to keep ourselves. Who can imagine the anxiety of such a mother or father losing, losing such a child? And, and where did they find Jesus at last? Not idling his time away or getting into mischief, as many boys of 12 years age do. Not in vain and unprofitable, unprofitable company. But they found Jesus in the temple. Jesus was in the temple of God, sitting in the midst of the Jewish teachers, hearing what they had to say, and Jesus was asking questions about things that he wished to have explained. And so I would be with younger members of Christian families and all of us who want to grow in wisdom that we come out to our Sunday school classes and our, our worship, we daily read from the Bibles. We all ought to be steady and trustworthy behind the, the backs of our earthly parents and and God, because we are the temple. We are the temples once we accept Christ. And the Holy Spirit comes into us as, as well as before the faces of those parents that are here on earth. We ought all to seek the company of the wise and the prudent and to use every opportunity of, of getting spiritual wisdom and getting spiritual knowledge. Not being intimidated if we've been on the wrong track of the wrong party, of the wrong teaching for many years, but acquiring humility of heart and a change of mind before the cares of life come on us and while our memories are fresh and while our memories are strong. Let Christian boys and girls, men and women, ponder these things well and take example from the, the conduct of Jesus at the age of only 12 years. Let them remember that if they are old enough if they are old enough to do wrong, they are also old enough to do right. And if able to read storybooks and to talk, they are also able to read their Bibles. 
read their Bibles and pray. Let them remember that they are accountable to God even while they are yet young and that it is written that God heard the voice of a young person. Happy indeed are those families in which the children seek the Lord early and cost their parents no harm and no tears. Happy are those parents who can say of their boys and their girls and their grandchildren when absent from them that we can trust. We can trust our children and our grandchildren that they will not willingly run into sin. And let us in the last place today as we look and examine this scripture from this passage, an, an example of all, all true Christians. We have in it the, the solemn words which our Lord addressed to his mother Mary when Mary said to Jesus, Son, Son, why hast thou dealt with us this way? And Jesus responds, Was he not known? Was his Jesus replied that, that I must be about my father's business. Can we say that first and foremost, that we must be about our father's business? A mild reproof was evidently implied in that reply. It was meant to remind his mother that he, Jesus, was no common person and had come into the world to do no common work. It was a hint that she was insensibly forgetting that her son Jesus had come into the world in no ordinary way and that he could not and no one would expect of him to be ever dwelling quietly at Nazareth at home. It was a solemn remembrance. And all we need to remember this that as God, he had a father. He had a father in heaven, and that this heavenly father's work demanded his first attention. As our heavenly father demands our first attention. And the expression is one that ought to sink down deeply into the, the very hearts of, of God's people. It should simply remind us with a mark at which they should aim in our daily lives. And it's a test at which we should try our, our habits and our conversations around. It should quicken us when we begin to be slothful. When we begin to be slothful, it should check us when we feel inclined to go back into the world or those negative thoughts or those negative teachings or negative political parties been convinced by the fake news. Are we about our father's business? Can we honestly say we are about our father's business? Are we walking in the steps of Jesus Christ? Such questions will often prove very humbling and, and make us ashamed of ourselves. But such questions are eminently useful to our souls. Eminently useful to our souls. Never as a church Never are believers in a church so healthy a condition as when it's believing. When it's believing members aim high, 
and strive in all things to be like Christ. Father, this morning as we regard ourselves, this age we live in appears to have, as Jesus did, it was an age that 12 years of age was, was regarded by the Jews as a kind of turning point out of the state of childhood. Let everyone deal gently with their son until they come to the age of 12 years old, was the, the old been teaching it. But from that time on, let the child older, the child of the teens, descend into the way of living, aware of the enemy, the devil that is crawling and crawling around, insinuating the way of the world is better than the way of God. Let them diligently keep close to the way and the truth and the life, the rule and act by which they may gain wisdom and gain knowledge. For the word so translated is only used in this place, company. It specially means a company of persons on a journey. We are all on a journey. An explanation of this is given in Scripture. It's quoted by many theologians. It says that it was a custom in going to and returning from Jewish feasts for the men to walk by themselves and the women to walk by themselves. And in this way, Joseph might easily have supposed that Jesus was with Mary, and Mary supposed that Jesus was with Joseph. Father, we want to walk and talk with Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed, those by way of television and radio and other means of communication. May we pray this prayer together. Dear Jesus, I want your wisdom. Forgive my sins. Come into my heart and life. Help me not be led by the world but help me to be led by your Holy Spirit. Empower me, Lord Jesus, with your wisdom, with your stature, and your favor. In Jesus' name, amen. As we wait upon you this morning for your tithes and your offerings, and to be hope so kind and turn in your bulletins for our offertory prayer, let us pray this prayer before our offertory hymn as the ushers come forward. We are praying for your tithes and offerings. Let us pray together. Holy God, as we present our tithes and offerings in worship, we know we come from a world that is tearing itself apart due to division. Even among your followers, we find ourselves shutting down, closing ourselves to those who don't think or act as we do. We need to be reminded that you desire unity and one mind from your children, not a church void of disagreement, but one where we work at listening in love more than working at speaking louder, winning the day. We dedicate not just our gifts, but our minds to the work of your unifying love. In Christ we pray, amen. You turn in your offertory hymn, Sing them over again to me. Red hymnals number 222. 222, please.
thank you that we can come looking at your grace and that you're giving God. We do bring our tithes and our offerings to you this day, and we can pray as we give them that you will kindle in us a deeper faith and a stronger commitment to the openness of our, your Holy Spirit. For we acknowledge that some of us have found our way back to you on our own. Others of us have lived a faith and surrounded us from time we were born and adult in our parents, grandparents, siblings, and spouses. Help us to kindle this flame of your Holy Spirit that in the world we might be set on fire with your love and compassion. In Christ we pray. Amen. It's interesting that it's being numbers. A story about Betty Wogan. Remember Betty Wogan? Just some 50 years ago, Betty King approached me in, in a parish at Earthview Wrightstown. She was in a nursing home. She wanted me to do nursing home services. And whenever I went to the nursing home, I asked, you know, are there any hymns that you'd like sing? And Betty would always stand up and say, and Betty was blind. She was blind. And she'd say, sing them over again to me. And wherever I when Betty would show up, started to come to the Methodist Church in Bertha, he requested that singing over again. And then, interesting, I, I left with you, I saw went to the River Falls for 10 years. But then when I returned to the area of Staples, Betty moved from Bertha over to Staples, the nursing home, and she started bringing nursing home people over periodically. Betty would interrupt the service and she'd say, can we just sing that, that hymn? Sing them over again to me. I hope that as you go forward, you'll remember not only increasing in wisdom and message, but the hymns that, you know, Clarice chooses. And sing them over again to me. Any announcements that we should be aware of? Thank you. 